So now if you want a 204 to be way over spine, you end up with a wall thickness that you cannot control. Then, the, then people say, well, if 204 is based on the marketing scheme that everybody is using, if you think 204 is great, 166 must be wonderful, right? No, 166 is the worst. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Deer Gear Podcast. It's been a little while, but I am back with Dorge from Firenock and Jeremy Martin from X-Ring Custom Arrows. The long-anticipated wait of the 204-166 insert conversation is finally over, and we have it here today for you. So we're covering inserts for your 204 and 166 arrows, which are actually either half outs or outserts. So it's a really good conversation. We cover different material properties, what different materials will do for you in an insert, strength, weight, things such as that. Real quick, before we get fully into this conversation with Dorge and Jeremy, we do have one really cool announcement. Exodus has a trade-up program for the entire month of March. So if you have an Exodus camera, maybe you have an Exodus Lift 2, or you have the original Exodus Lift or an Exodus Trek that is either out of warranty or it works just fine, but you want to get in the cell camera game, we have a trade-up program going on right now where you can save $100 on an Exodus Render or Exodus Render bundle. Go to the website, exodusoutdoorgear.com. Make a purchase on the website in checkout. Use code TRADEUP, all caps, one word, TRADEUP, and you can save 100 bucks off an Exodus Render. Now, how it works is you make the purchase. When you make the purchase, we will send you a return label once we get your old camera back, we will then send out the new Exodus render. So if that interests you guys, make sure you head over to the website. But for now, let's get into today's episode. All right, everyone, we're back at the Great American Outdoor Show. This is uh, podcast number two. From me and Dorge and Jeremy, thank you guys for coming into the show a little early. I'm on Definitely. time today. <laughs> Very so, welcome. So uh, last conversation we had, we were talking about inserts, and we kind of focused on the 246 shafts and, and 300 shafts. And today we're going to be moving on to what most people are probably most interested in because that's probably going to relate more because most people are shooting 204 outer diameter shafts or 166 shafts so we're going to talk about those inserts today correct yeah absolutely but before we start i saw a lot, a lot of guy people you're thinking of inserts because a lot of people really don't think much about inserts because they usually buy a dozen arrow then they got whatever insert they get to but the fact you said in technically every single size of finer on every single identical shape we also got different material and people say, why do you make different materials? I want you to think your broadhead and field points as nails and your insert material as the material of hammers. Because you can have the same shape of hammer with different weight. That's the reason we in find out, actually in most cases, we use five different material, actually six. The first material we use is of course the basic 6061. But that's only, we only offer that material for our, through our dealers, through our certified and training programs. But all aluminum that we sell straight on websites are actually 7071s. <coughs> the reason we use 7071 because 7071 it behaves like an insert is although it's the same weight as a 6061, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 
but you got 82% strength of hardness. That means you don't have the weight, but you have the strength. But then the next thing we original offer is the 303 stainless. 303 stainless is great because it got mass, but it doesn't have strength like 420 stainless. That's the reason when you go into like our uh, more like the 204166, that kind of UC stainless, it will be 420 hardened to at least 50 HLC. Then for the people who want ultimate, which is strength and weight balance, we will offer the titanium. But then for people who just like the weight, but do not want to pay the price of stainless, we do offer brass through our certified dealers. So now when you think of why, in some cases, we offer five material in one size. The reason for that, because strength and weight and price. So when you look at it, say, why so much? Because that is the reason behind it. And a lot, now think about it. You're holding an 18, 18 ounce hammer. If you move on one material to the other material, the hammer can be half the size. The mass is a lot more focused. When you use a thinner material, you're doing a more precise and precise tapping. They are be the same size, and which is exactly where we start with the 204. Like Jeremy, he was one of my best 204 builder. The 204 alone, we offer six different inserts in 7071, in uh, 420 stainless, and in GL5 titanium. Yes, there's three of them, in, same of them in th same material, but we also offer that in lightweight aero concept and heavyweight aero concept, all with our aero concept. That itself would technically give you nine different inserts, but it's just not nine, because in the lightweight and heavyweight tubing, when you get good at it, you can use vacuum tubing to, to glue as long as the tube you want. Imagine if you're dealing with a 29-inch arrow, you technically can put in a 12-inch tubing in the front. Then you can now just change it. Well, with your experience, <clears throat> take it away. <laughs> so let's get the, let's let's uh, hammer one thing out here with the. Uh, we talked about the 6061 and the brass. Uh, make that clear that that is not a 204 product or a 166 product. Uh, like George said, we're a titanium. The uh, seventy, the seven thousand series aluminum and stainless or titanium, rather, um, very good products. Uh, I don't do the the twelve inch vacuum. We do a lot of Aero Concept one point uh, We just took an order last night for uh, some titanium stuff out of the Aero Weave. Um, flawless performing Aero uh, when it comes down to it. And uh, if you have any questions, please. Because I run out of stuff real quick. <laughs> no, no, I problem. keep it simple. Sure. Yes, yes. But you see, I mean, in the 204, a lot of people don't understand when you deal with 204, you have, you have to deal with a, a, a design called half out. Mm -hmm. It has to be a half out. And people say, why not to put an outsert? Now, we need to look at the original specification of the, uh, of the AMO, which now become the ATA standard. You're dealing with a shank of a fuel point that is actually 202 to 204,000 in, in OD, mm -hmm. which means that you must put it inside something that is 204 or 206. In the case, of course, with us at Fina, we use our dual O-ring system. That's the reason we always compress 4,000 around it. So it's either 202 or 204, our arrow point will always go in perfectly. But then you're dealing with the inner tube that is 202 to 204 or maybe even 205. I know some company who is not very tight on the spec, the idea of the shaft is even up to 207. Mm. Now, when you, that's the case, when you glue an insert 
in it. Now, in the case of the, of the 204, you need to think about it. If the tube is 204 and the shank of the fuel point is 204, there's only one, no two ways to do it. You either embed half of the, 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 uh, the broadhead and the shank inside, or you simply like Eastern did, Eastern with the HIT insert. Simply take the shank away and use the shank to go into the tubing and put what you call an HIT insert. That approach seems great. And why only one company overcome the, ma the major problem with it? Actually, there's three folds of problem with that design. Think about it. The tube is 204. Your insert has to be smaller, mm -hmm. right? The moment you put the epoxy, then you use a tool to push that piece in, and you let it sit on the table. What does that mean? Just goes to the bottom. Exactly. You are guaranteed 2,000 off-center right at that moment. But that's not just the first problem. The, re the second problem is that imagine all your epoxy is flowing down towards the insert. Now you've got a weak, non-concentric issue. But the fact is that can you overcome this problem if you really want to use that design? Then you need three things. The first thing you do is that you need to get yourself an old fuel point and you put some wax or, or Vaseline on the shank. Then you put the insert onto the tube then you put the epoxy on it and you push the, push the fuel point down all the way and then stand the arrow straight. But before you do that, you need to hold the fuel point and you roll the shaft to hydroflow the glue. Under that condition, you indeed can make the heat insert work. But then the second problem is that remember, carbon is strong, but carbon cannot handle impact. So every time when you shoot a target, that's hard. The, the back of the fuel point is going to crush the carbon. Now, um, I'm not the first one who would recognize it. And the, I, this credit belonged to NAP. When Eastern first came out with the heat insert back in 2004, NAP instantly recognized it. They, they make you a bushing. It's, it's a bushing that goes behind the fuel point and covers mm. the, in, the, the shaft. That prevented, it somewhat prevented the shaft from crumbling, which is really good. But then the fact is that when, when, that, when that piece come in, it never really sit well with the broadhead because we cannot guarantee the shaft in the front is always perfectly squared. I mean, you got squaring too, you got that piece. Yes, it worked. But then you pretty much have to constantly move it lower and lower because the carbon eventually will be crushed. That's not enough a solidity uh, connection between the piece of in, uh, that piece of bushing and the shaft. Which brings to the next one. Say, people, why, why can't I use an outsert in this situation, a 204? Won't it be better? The fact is that an outsert, when you, when you look at it, if you put an outsert in a 204, and inside there's a, that is a shank, how much material do you need to fill that space? With like epoxy or... Not just that. If you use aluminum to fill that space, it's become impossible. Remember, you're dealing with an outsert. Mm -hmm. The outsert is already, that means that void for where the shank goes on into it's a huge space. Weak point. It becomes your weakest link. Now, unless you say, I don't care. I just want to put a gigantic outsert. It'll be two, three thousand over. Yes. But then you're dealing with a humongous weight. But then you also deal with a secondary problem. Now you put some OD that's significantly bigger than a shaft. You're technically impossible to put it out of target now. <laughs> yeah. That's the reason outsert. And people say, oh, I can uh, put an insert in it and put a, say, sleeve on it. 
Well, you know, you pretty much now screwed up the entire aerodynamics, ARROW dynamics, because the flex of the shaft now is now restrained by the collar. And not to mention, you also got a humongous amount of weight in front. That also complicated the entire your aerodynamic calculation. So that's the reason, after all this thinking process, I was very lucky to sort of see other people's problem because I come in late from anybody. Mm -hmm. So we make a something called a half out. But our half hour is, uh, Jeremy will tell you, our half hour are not like ordinary half hour. It utilizes our original reverse taper systems. But unfortunately, a lot of our customers really do not understand how to install insert in the 204 class. Yes, I say 204 class. Because if you really look at it, 204 depends on which company you deal with. It's not one size. The smallest 204 is a 201,000, mm. which come from the company called Fast Shaft out of Carbon Impact, which is why when you try to put your arrow deeper, you couldn't because it's a 201 there. Then you go to basically your 202, the 203 should be 204, but then some company make all the way to 207. Now, we make our insert originally to meet everybody's need. We make our insert on the part you glue into the shaft, 201,000. That actually create a lot of problems. I want to point that out. You said we prevented all the problem. The problem is that people do not know how to use it. I mean, Jerry will tell you, if I just give this to some customer, they go ahead and glue the insert, then they lay the insert on the table. Now you've got a real problem because see, the OD of a 204 class arrow vary between five all the way to maybe closer to seven and a half millimeter. The frontal part of our 204 is eight millimeter. The moment you put it together and you lay it on the table, that insert is guaranteed to cockeyed. So what you need to do is that you need to glue the stuff with a slow set epoxy, float it around, and wait 15 minutes. Hold the insert and roll the tube. You hydroflow it, then you send it straight. But then we say, well, how do I know it is reasonably concentric? That's where our reverse taper, in other words, our mating system between the, the shaft and the insert comes in. So if you really hydroflow your shaft, even if our insert is 201,000, you hydroflow it, you're forcing the epoxy, which is high viscosity with a high CP rate. It will instantly flow around it. It will self-concentrate. But now the next thing is that you do not just lay it on the table. Mm. You send it straight on the, on the ground. How many people actually do that? <laughs> More than you can imagine. To the point that because we sell so many uh, uh, basic 204 reverse taper insert in the A class, which is the AIA 204 in stainless, a lot of customers do not understand our shank is 201. And they start putting it in, say, gold tip or element, which is one of the biggest. If you go ahead and just glue it and sit on the table, your insert now, in the case of element, you have 5,000 cocked <laughs> based on the one-inch space. You, that, with that space equivalent to about four degree, just so, think about it. Your insert now is four degree off center. So what? What a down range. What effect does that have on your arrow? You won't be able to shoot it right, because the entire insert is is now crooked from the shaft. That is one of the most important. I mean, even if your shaft is not straight, but your insert to your shaft have to be absolutely straight. Because that is the leading and the controlling factor of the entire arrow. When you add weight, that's where your controller is. People, when people talk about front and center in the case of, re of recurve, that is what the leading piece is, mm -hmm. which is technically that's your steering. 
Yep. So you can now. What happened in 2021? It happened so much because a lot of customers did not go to uh, our trade dealers. They bought the 204 stainless from us, and they have this problem. So I'm very lucky to tell you guys, as of 2022, just to make everybody happy, I make two 204 stainless. One year go from 2001 to 2003. <laughs> the one you go from 2003, 4 to 2007. So when you fit with it, the maximum variance you're dealing with is 2,000 on each side compared to a possibility of 7,000. Yeah, seven. yeah. I mean, those are the things we deal with. But unfortunately, we publish all this information about our insert. Of course, Jeremy went through the Certified and Trained Dealers program. He do it automatically. Yeah. But when a customer first time tried to put this together, glue the insert, get the element, put our insert in the front, put it down, lay it on the table. Next morning, look at it. Every one of them look like this. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm not joking. Yeah. At that moment, it's not funny because you just pay so much money for the shaft. You pay $40 for my insert and everyone looks like shit. Yeah. And there's no way out of the way to say it. I mean, it does not that bad in aluminum. It's not that bad in, in, uh, in titanium because they are reasonable lightweight. Mm -hmm. And then when you look at it, you can easily work with and they don't have such effect like stainless steel, which have a lot more mass. Sure. And most people buy titanium, since it's so expensive, they spend the time to read. Mm. The most people do aluminum, which is reasonably lightweight. When you lay on the table, it's not that bad. But the stainless is really horrible. Not because the design is horrible, because people didn't really recognize what they're doing. Sure. That's just on a 204. But then the moment you go to Aero Concept, which is this, this guy here is my number one builder for 204 shop. He just built wonderful 204. Just like yesterday, I saw one of my oldest customers, which I met since 2009. And he said, you need arrows. I, I know exactly who you go to build it. <laughs> so, so what kind of questions um, can you come up with that maybe a 204 customer may have, uh, regardless of brand, just oh, the, the any easy, kinds of questions? Yeah, the easiest thing that most people who love the 204 is that they went through. The funny thing is that 2021 is the year that 204 come back like a gangbuster. Because 2019 and 2020, a lot of people go to 166. Right. But those are the high-end customers because they are one who forward. Sure. I will tell you, within two years, everybody will go back to 246 if they know what they're doing. Right. Because they have such hard time with 166 and 204. What makes 204 shafts so much harder to build to get them correct? No, no, no. 206 is, 244 is not. 166 is. Because it's 204 compared to 246 is the thicker wall. And you are dealing with a half out. Yep. And people don't understand what a half out is. Sure. A half out is means that half the in, if, if you're broadhead, half of it stay with the insert on the outside and half of it, which is shank, your, your thread is actually staying inside the shaft, inside your carbon mm -hmm. and inside your insert. When you do something like this, the weakest link in this thing theoretically is between the carbon and the insert. Mm -hmm. But if you design it correctly, that point in our case, in final case, the is strongest. strongest because you got the you got the stainless steel, you got the carbon, and you got the shank all con concentric with each other. Do you truly have a weakest link? Yes, you do, which theoretically is when the carbon met the insert. But in our case, we got reverse tapered. 
That means if then the angle falls, the reverse taper will divert the energy into the shaft. And fit together. Correct. Now they say instead of the secondary weakest link, the secondary weakest link will be just the space right behind the insert into the carbon. Okay. If anybody break an arrow, that's the spot. Mm -hmm. But then, in our cases of arrow and finite, it's really not longer the case because we got secondary carbon tubing that extend the entire thing further. We say, well, you can't we break behind the carbon tubing? Answer is no. Why? Because the carbon tubing flex with the shaft. It, it, it mitigates the entire directional force on it. Now you understand why the arrow concept is so good. But at the same time, a lot of people say, why can't I put 50 green in the front, 50, 125 green, well, 150 green field point or broadhead? Didn't I got a fantastic penetration? Answer is no. The penetration actually go down significantly. Unless you've got a broadhead, that's like something like the uh, uh, Rage uh, uh, Hypodermic or something like the old Hawk broadhead, which is a long tip before you see blade. Mm -hmm. Because when you go into a high LFC 204, especially from 204 and down, we're dealing with an arrow just like we're talking in the, sh in the shaft. The wall thickness is significantly higher, which means that the energy, the, the flex retaining memory is higher, which means that if you're a short range, you hit the animal, your tip of your arrow are still flexing. That means the angle of impact is no longer direct. I mean, just like anybody who attests, I tell people, if you don't, if you doubt this, do this, do this experiment yourself. Get yourself a nice tomato, get your sharpest knife, hold it on top, don't rope it, just straight, cut it down. So get a feel of how much force that is. Now turn the tomato on the side, give it three degree off center, push it down the same. You'll find out you need 30 to 50% more power just to cut it. Sure. Which means that if your arrow is not straight when it hits your target, you can you can you have to use over thirty percent more power just to, to penetrate. penetrate. Now the, the now the insert come into play in a big way. Remember, we say that imagine your fuel point or your broadhead is your nail, your insert is your hammer, your shaft is your handle. How would you like your insert to work? People say, "Oh, the bigger the hammer, the better." Is it really true? You have not framing now. <laughs> you are not doing a, a, a try to break concrete. You have to be optimum. Yeah. See, I think in archery, one of the biggest issues is that people say, oh, I just want, just like so many customers, give me your best. Why would you, why, to be frank with you, all six or nine of our inserts in a 204 are the best. Every one of them. Things. The only thing is that how are you going to apply it? Now you imagine if you want to build an arrow that's about 370 grain. Right on the get-go, you cannot use stainless. Yep, too heavy. Yes. Because the people who want a lighter insert, especially in a 204 class, you want the arrow to fly to recover as fast as possible. Lightweight front is critical. You can't possibly use stainless. But then you want some weight you need, especially dealing with bigger animal. Yes, the moment you deal with bigger animal, momentum is critical. But it's not just momentum on the insert, not momentum on the field point or a broadhead. You need to add the momentum to the shaft. The beautiful thing about an arrow shaft is that you need to think of an arrow shaft not like a bullet, but like a train. Because if you can make the entire thing move forward, the force is continuous as a whole. When you use heavy FOC, the, the train part is a reverse process. Mm. You actually pull your arrow backwards. Mm. Think about it. If you flex left and right significantly, what would that mean? The resulting factor is backwards. 
that is where the problem is. A lot of people do not really understand how important the shaft it is for it. Otherwise, you'll be we'll be throwing bullets, not arrows. Arrow is shaft itself is not just as simple as transferring energy to the shaft. It also has to maintain and actually move the entire process onto the target. And that's reason a heavier shaft in so many ways are much better. Heavier not shaft as opposed to heavy heavy broadhead. Correct. Heavy field. Yeah. Now then, why do people like lightweight shaft? That is application of lightweight shaft is absolutely needed. Imagine this. You've got a gentleman that's a 26-inch tall, 45 maximum pull. If you give him a heavy shaft, what do you think his pin gap is going to look like? Oh, yeah, it's going to be... Right. That is, if you want to shoot 60 yards, that's not enough tape. That is not enough pins to do that. So and not, a lot of people don't understand it. Just like we have a lot of challenge to do that. The ins now, we sort of like get, get into the details of why we make two different 204 size insert in the aero concept. Because see, I also understand the moment when Eastern was doing all the testing, like for the Access Dangerous game, they keep on increasing shaft weight, but they did not increase the insert weight. Mm -hmm. Yes, l lately you see them have brass and stainless steel insert for the HIT, but that's only limited to so much. Mm -hmm. Because the longer the HIT insert you have, remember every time you put an HIT insert, your node of your shaft is right behind the insert. In other words, you don't put your arrow rest on the front. You need to know where your insert ends and then add an inch to it. That's where your true X, your, your, your perfect point, which is the node your arrow is. Then we also have to think into it, okay, all this. But if I really want to say using a dangerous game for the, say, an elephant, and now I'm looking at 250 grain broadheads, right? You do a full hundred fifty grain broadhead. You put a say a fifty grain insert. There is no shaft out there that will give you a hundred and thirty spine for the application. But now we are finally able to give you the answer because our two hundred four heavy inner tube. It literally changed with the with of course with our display application. I will use a two hundred four heavy, which is our, our, uh, our 304 stainless, with our heavyweight, which is 8.1 grain per inch. You put 6 inch in it, you, that's 50 grains of tubing. Then you add 50 grain of insert. Now there's 100 grain. But that's not just that. You actually, mit, with, the, with that, with such a heavy inner tube, that tube alone is a, is a 350 spine tube. Mm -hmm. Now you put it in, say, a an, an dangerous game, 250 spine. The effective of that third, assuming that you're a 29-inch draw, okay? This time you can go ahead and minus six inch because of arrow concept. Yep. Your effective length of that specific arrow is only 23 inch in flex. At 23 inch on that spec, over a 20 inch span, you are now at 130 spine now. Hmm. I mean, you see how beautiful this whole thing gets? Of course, if the person that is really good, like one, one of my best builder Jeremy was able to do he would even do Aero Concept 2.0 he put another 6 inch on the back now your 29 inch arrow effectively minus 12 inches in effective splat <laughs> you are dealing with what 29 minus 12 you're looking at a 17 inch arrow effective I mean yes this is not meant for a 50 yard shot if you are shooting elephant elephant at fifty yards, yeah, you're a much better man than any any picking <laughs> hunter I ever know. <laughs>
think think feet. <laughs> Don't think cats. So, Cameron, do you have any questions on Did the 204? Did your tell you ask you anything yeah. on the 204? Not yet. We haven't really talked about the 204s that in depth yet to have a bunch of feedback. But myself, I'm I'm just trying to understand like. Everybody is shooting 204 or 166, and Dorge says 246 is the best or 300 is the best. What is the what, what are people missing that they well, can't understand? That well, the the thing is, first of all, you can see the complication of how to put a 204 accurately. But then the fact is that when you think that we're holding a thinner piece of arrow, and the marketing telling you this is the best. Now the question nobody asks why. Sure. Then, then they say, oh, let me shoot this 204 into target. Compare 246. Look at how much more it penetrates. Obviously, it does because everybody testing using fuel point that matches the size of the diameter. It is thinner. But then when you throw a broader on it, the cutting is identical. Sure. Just people need to understand, no matter what spine or diameter shaft you use, the end of the day, you have the same amount of carbon to give you the spine. Yeah. So the only thing you gain in most cases, yes, the thicker the wall, the more durability you get. Wind drift have zero effect in shaft. As a matter of fact, when we were doing vein testing, <coughs> we proved to that a 2764 and a 166 identically without vein fly identically up to 130 yards. The, but the moment you put veins on it, it's the vein that is the problem. Not the size of the diameter. So why, say, sh why shoot veins? Hmm? So why shoot veins at that? No, no, point? no. We that vein can be a two or three episode deal. We are talking pure aerodynamics, A E R O and A R O W. Those two dynamic is very involved. The moment you go into those environment, the sh the shaft dynamics, the insert dynamics, all become part of it. This reason I delay talking about veins. Sure. At least we finish inserts. Sure. Because until you understand, you you don't even know what how detrimental and beneficiary those are two extreme a vein can do. Mm -hmm. That's the reason I delay it. But then you think about it. If that's the case, the thicker the wall, the more durable a shaft, but the less performance it gets. The harder it is to flex. Correct. The flexing of a shaft and how, fa how fast it recover. That's the reason a lot of people say, just like I'll quote Gotip Tinkingham, you can never shoot an arrow that's overspined and be bad. The only thing bad about it is weight. So now if you want a 204 to be way over spine, you end up with a wall thickness that you cannot control. Then, then people say, well, if 204 is based on a marketing scheme that everybody is using, if you think 204 is great, 166 must be wonderful, right? No, 166 is worse. <laughs> Which is what everyone's shooting. So, no, not so everyone. To, without all the, the scientific terminology, you have a 166 shaft that is a 350 spine across the board for 166, a 204, 246, and a 300. If you were to get all three of those shafts and look down the shaft before anything was installed in them, you would see the 166 shaft would be significantly wall thickness thicker. 204 is a little smaller, 246 even smaller, 300 even smaller than that. So think about it like um, what it takes to calm that arrow down how much more energy is going to be consumed by a 166 shaft versus a 300 shaft so you'll have um, a lot more energy retention 
in the 300 series shaft or, sure. or the, the 23 series, whatever you want to call it, sure. um, compared to the 166. But like George was saying, the 166 is more durable because you've got three times the wall thickness versus the 300. But performance-wise, the 246 and the 300, which the only people that even look at a 300 shaft is a crossbow guy. Yeah. You know, me as a vertical bow hunter, you say, I'm going to give you a PS23 to go hunting with. Yeah, right. People are going to look at you like you're crazy. Yeah. But if you think about it performance-wise, strictly on performance, your arrow is going to retain, I don't know the, the percentage number. I'm sure George can fire that out at us. <laughs> but it's significantly higher than the 166. Okay, so on a, on a durability standpoint, I think a lot of the reasons why this shorter or uh, smaller, thinner diameter shaft on a durability standpoint is everyone's talking about penetrating bone. Mm-hmm. And the, the moment you hit bone with a 246 or a 300, do you face more issues than if with a 166 or a 204? Actually, is it not going to hold up to that? That is where the misconception is. When you're dealing with a 166, when you hit bone, it actually penetrates less because you're dealing with a shaft that is not straight mm-hmm. because you have more memory retaining. That means when the arrow actually hit the, hit the bone, the arrow is not straight. The back of the arrow are still flexing. People need to understand on a 246 or 300, the arrow, rec- based on the 65% off, okay, the arrow recovered at 18 yards. Yep. On the 166, it takes up to 23 yards to recover. Without your concept. Without anything. Yeah. Yep. Without any arrow concept or chamfering tools or anything. You need to think about it. In North America, most people shot the animal in 20 yards. Mm-hmm. Okay? If you shoot a 246-300, the arrow is straight for four yards. Yep. You shoot a 204 to 300, the arrow just becomes straight. In the 166, the arrow can still be flexing. Just like I talked about the tomato issue, the test. At 20 yards, you shoot an animal with a 166 with a single bevel. You now have to hope that your blade is impacting the animal perpendicularly, yeah. not when it's still flexing. Yep. But even if it's not flexing, the rear of the shaft is still flexing. Mm-hmm. It is like, imagine yourself, try to hit a hammer when the hammer is vibrating when you hit it. Yeah. At an angle. Yeah. <laughs> when you... S- <clears throat> When you start thinking about it, it's become detrimental to the entire hunting process. How can you prevent it? I mean, the fact is that the only way to overcome a, two six, a 166 class arrow is to make the arrow's frontal part of the arrow straight as fast as possible. And second, lower the weight of the front of center. Which is what the opposite of everyone, what everyone's well, but, doing. Exactly. Yeah. But yes. the fact is that if you understand physics or talk to any physics professor, and I, I tell them what you're doing. They will te- first of all, they explain two things. They will explain the two dynamics. Second, they will explain to you harmonics. The moment that two things come by, and finally, your impact angle. Mm-hmm. If you understand that three, you, 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 it's laughable. You simply want a heavy FOC on a, on a thin arrow. I mean, very simple, let's say, if you've got, a air, you've got a tube that's 30 inch long, you hold it on the ground, you try to hammer it, the larger the diameter, the more it goes in. Mm-hmm. Not small. As long as you've got a good tip. Mm-hmm. Remember, no matter how big or how small it's the size of the arrow, the tip is the same broadhead. Yeah, right. So when you hammer that thing down, if you hammer a big tube, the tube is going to give you a structural integrity to go down. The moment you've got a thin tube, the thin tube is going to wave. Even they are identical in weight and identical in strength. 
that's where the tube dynamics come into play. The larger the size, the faster recover, the higher the performance. The thinner the wall will match the thick wall in performance. In the case of arrow, you notice that as you decrease the arrow size in diameter, the weight is about the same. You know why? Because you got the same amount. If you buy the same class of arrow, like your 32 ton, your 24 ton, your 38 ton modulation carbon, I'm talking about carbon gray. If you the same grade of arrow and use different tube, you notice they have to be of the same amount of carbon in it. Mm -hmm. Because what you're dealing with is the true spine of the shaft. When you've got a 300 spine shaft, that you may be a slight variation is the inner scheme and outer scheme of a carbon tube. Now then, when we move into the 166, as we say, all this problem now compound. How do you overcome it? Think about it. In the 166, the only thing you can put inside that shaft is the thread of your of your, uh, of your, your broadhead based on the AMO standard. That means the OD, the, the, the ID, the outside diameter of your shank is actually 167 millimeters, right? 167 thousandths of an inch. It's wider than the So that the moment you put that broadhead into your, into your arrow, that, broad, that, that field point or the thread will stop the moment you hit the shoulder. Mm -hmm. So that's how much you can put inside. Now, think about it. If you want to use an use an insert based on AMO standard, you can't possibly put the thread inside the shaft. So now the thread had to be above the, above the shank. Now when you do that, which means that from the counting point, which is the tip of your fuel point, to your neck of your fuel point, to the bottom of the thread of your fuel point, plus material transition, is in front of the carbon arrow. Yep. Then to make it good, you now have to add the, the behind part, whatever's inside the shaft. That whole thing becomes your effective length of your broadhead or fuel point. Where's your node? Your node is one inch behind the inside of that. Yeah. The longer you get, the worse the arrow will fly. Because think about it, your node is your pivot point of the arrow shaft. The longer it increases, the more this will swing. See that, the difference? <laughs> Now you tell me this is better compared to this. Yeah, no, yeah. <coughs> that's, that's also the, ring, the main reason we find out when, when, uh, I, when Black Eagle first come out with that deep impact, they don't have an insert. So they call me and say, hey, Dodge, we need an insert system for our deep impact. I said, sure, I got a design. I give them the outsert. But the outsert, I say, this similar design has come out since the days of the Beamons. Because the beamman extruded arrow, the ID of the beamman is not even 166, it's, one <coughs> it's 110. So they instantly, they go ahead and put an outsert on it. But outsert have a whole set of problems. <coughs> if your outsert thread is above the arrow shaft, there is no, there's, there's a misconnect between the bottom of your arrow shaft and the bottom of your, the top of your arrow shaft and also the inside of your fuel point. If you, as I say, if you use a pure outside process, uh, no, half half our process, that means you've got a chunk outside the arrow shaft, a chunk inside the arrow shaft. Your entire fuel point from top to bottom is above the arrow shaft. Mm -hmm. Which I do one step, step better what Beeman did is that I designed an outsert that the thread of the outsert is only seven millimeter, which means on a tip, I mean, uh, 10 millimeter, on a typical screw shank is 15 millimeters. Which means that if you think about it, you got your broad, you got your fuel point, then you got your fuel point shank, which you know is above the point, then you got your thread, 
Then after the thread, that is extra the thread because the threading part is only 10 millimeter. So if you've got a shank that's 15, I will allow at least five millimeter of that shank be inside the 166. Now the weakest link becomes the strongest link. But then we also go into the fact is that uh, if you're old enough like me who shoot demons, the moment you shot the arrow into meat, you better grab your knife out because you need to follow the arrow and cut through the meat to get your arrow oh, back no. out yeah. because you've got a wedging effect now. That's the reason if you look at the final out, uh, called the ulcers, it got grooves on it. Those grooves are sharp between the edges. Those are actually called blood channels. It's, it's the same as a potato knife. You notice when you cut potato, it stick to both sides. Mm -hmm. But when you put slots on it, it go down and you just fall off yeah. because you allow air to pass through. That's exactly what those are. Those are blood channel or potato channel, which you to call. I think <laughs> blood channel is a, is a sexier term. Yeah. <laughs> but then we also have to deal with the fact is that when you deal with an outsert, it is not like an insert. You only have to deal with ID. Say a 204 class, I make one size fit all. But in the case of outsert, we have to make 16 of them at this moment. Wow. To cover the entire spectrum. And people don't understand. When you deal with an ulcer, you're dealing with the OD of a shaft. Any, all the 166 are considered, are made through centerless grind. That means you, you have the man, you sort of have a mandrel, then you put carbon on top, then you put, a, put it through a three-ray grinder to get to the weight you want, not the size, the weight. Because the weight is equal to the spine in the case of carbon. That's how most people do it. One thing that people don't understand, they need to look at the shaft. Most of the 166 shafts are not concentric. The grinding process is outside in. It's, it's not holding the insert and grind the outside. So that's the reason if you take a closer look at 166 before you do it, the wall thickness on all sides is elliptical. <laughs> that means if you put an insert in it, you're off-center to be guaranteed. Yeah, it's not going to be. Yes. Yeah. That is reason an outsert on a uh, half out on a 166 is so bad. Then even I put a reverse taper on it, it just exaggerates the problem. Mm -hmm. Because now the reverse taper have one side more, the other side less, the more you hit, hit it, it will crook by itself. That's reason you need to move to a true outsert. The outsert is a pretty decent approach to it. That's, but there's a lot of downside. And most important, the reason the people always call me, do you make an ulcer that is 50 to 100 grain? I say, no. <laughs> because the, the whole idea, you understand how to shoot a 166, you understand you want to lower the front weight as much as you possibly could. And the, the only way I can make it strong, because originally I was thinking of titanium. The titanium is stupid. Because the titanium in this shank, I don't care you made a GL5, that's not enough strength. The only way to make this is using GERT, that means diameter. That's the reason our 166 OD is 8mm. Now you've got 2mm all the way down, then you taper it. Now you've got GERT. See, when you deal with mechanical science, GERT is one of your best friends. Until you hit the certain weight limit when you fly, then it's, then it's your enemy. But everything in size is always better. I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but that is the truth. You, anytime you do an insert, outsert, three point, the larger the diameter you got, the better you get. So, what are some of the downsides to the outsert system? Well, first of all, you, you deal with you have the specific one. That means if you, you buy a shaft, you need to be as specific as you can to the OD and ID match. And then, as I say, they are sandless grind, which means that when you buy a dozen arrow, 
if it fit eight of your arrow perfectly, you guarantee not to fit the rest of the four. Then you need to use a, a, something like 100, 200 percent paper to stick some of the carbon out, mm. to put it on. And then now remember, when you're dealing with an outsert, you are dealing gluing the inside surface to a tube, mm. right? How do you guarantee the inside of that tube able to hold your glue perfectly? You cannot. That's the reason I got a whole video to teach people, hey, when you're dealing with outsert, you want to scratch the inside outsert to expose some aluminium. Because okay. if they anodize the whole thing, but can you not anodize it? Answer is absolutely not. Because you're dealing with blood. Mm -hmm. The blood will screw up 70, 71. Years. Oh, and let me step back. Like, unlike others, I do not use 60, 61, T6 for my, for for my ulcers. My ulcers are 70, 71, T6, not T5. Do you know why it's from T5 to T6? What's the difference between T5 and T6? The higher the T, the stronger the material. Okay. When I bought the 7071 T5 to make the ulcers, I put it inside the mold and then induction heat it and strike it. That moment, the process of striking it, I realigned the molecules. Okay. That process of striking, it changed it from T5 to T6. Oh, wow. So now instead of 82% strengthness, it's closer to 88% strengthness of a 303. But then the, the, the weight between aluminum and stainless steel is a one to five ratio. Okay. And, 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 and stainless steel to, I'm talking general stainless. I yeah. mean, 303 is much heavier than, uh, than 420. I'm talking general. General stainless, I'm using 303 as standard, and aluminum are using 66 uh, as standard. Titanium is going to be 45% lighter than stainless. And, tit and aluminum it's going to one-fifth the weight of stainless. I say, if I want super lightweight, what are the possibilities? Answer is magnesium. Can I do it? Yes. But I just don't think people know how to work with it. <laughs> because magnesium is about close to 35% lighter than the aluminium. Wow, that's light. That is. And still have structural. But then the coating, the finish, the... But remember, when you expose aluminium to water, it will burn Red. and burst. Yeah. Now you need to know what you're working with. <laughs> now let's go back to the 166. Our is such a good system. But then we also face the same problem. How the hell do we make the arrow recover faster using 166, which we know we've got memory and straight. So before, my hmm? before we go any further, get it uh, out there that the fire knock outsert is aluminum. Correct. And there is only one weight. Well, it's a, vary, a varying weight, depending on your size, from 30 to 30, from 30 to 32. 33 grains Yes, max. no, 32 max. Okay. Because it, the larger the diameter of the shaft, that means the less the material on sure. it. Because we only make one mold. Yeah. After that, we drill the size that you put the shaft in. Then we machine the tail. That's how we make them. So right. they're all same as 32 grain because that's how much it is. Then we machine the tail off. Mm -hmm. So when you machine the, the 577, which is the big smaller shaft, it is the heaviest. Of course, on the 568 is 32.1 grain, which I call it 32. When you deal with, the, say, the 680, the larger diameter, that one is exactly 30 grains, which now gives you that 32, the 2.1 grain difference. But then your lot, because you don't buy some 6.8 millimeter, some 5.7 mm -hmm. or 5.68 millimeter, the lot that you got is the same. But then you need to sort of send the odd size shaft you have. The idea is that people say, oh, I want to make the shaft tight fit. No, you do not want a tight fit. You want it fit enough that you can barely spin it. 
You know why? Because if you get totally typhoid, where is the glue going to be? Sure, yeah. There's yeah. no glue. Yeah. The moment you shot it, the insert's going to be inside your target. Yeah. And at the same time, again, we're dealing with the same thing. We're talking two tubes concentric to each other. The only way to make an ulcer correctly is that after you put the glue in, you need to hold the insert solid and you spin the tube. The easiest way, I did have a video show people, use our APS system. You put the arrow on the spinner, you hold the shaft, and you spin the arrow. You Now you hydroflow the glue. Mm -hmm. You're guaranteed to concentrate. Then you stand straight up. Don't let it down the table. Now we talk about how 166 is such bad in recovery. One of my customers in Minnesota called me and said, hey, Dodge, I read everything you have. Won't it be smart if you put the, your 166 tubing inside that? Because I make, originally make the 166 tubing for one reason only. Is for the target guys to put the fuel point in to recover the arrow faster. He said, "Wouldn't I put a 166 tubing in inside your CTI 160 inside your 166 behind your outsert where the fuel point goes?" I said, "Absolutely. You are a smarter man than I am." <laughs> the moment he gave me that, I published it in all my documentation. I won't take credit away from the guy gentleman. He was he asked me. I said, "Absolutely. Go for it." And then, of course, at that moment, I got I got targeting a lot of customers who shoot the East, the the the, the Carbon Express Medallion, the um, the the Brick McKinney's, the uh, the, the X10s, the target guys. I say, remember when you shoot 166 in the target because that's where the original ball. Now think through it. You put your tungsten point, which is about four inches long, into your shaft. Where is your note? Find that. Right. And then every time you break that point, your entire arrow note effectively change. changes. Yeah. So now you have the whole dozen recut, redo. Do you know that a set of x with spin vane and tungsten point is about $1,000? Whoa. <laughs> How many of them can you try to build right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> now then, if you look at the 166, is there a way to make 166 shine? Well, I'm very happy to tell you, we granted two separate U.S. patents on the 166 insert system. It's called the AeroStamp system. What happens is that I now make an insert with the back, just like, oh, a hybrid insert. You can slide the 166 inner tube on the back. And the front, instead of a hole, is a stamp that sticks out with two O-rings. Now, you know what that does? It makes that part the strongest. Now you have a metal to metal to carbon to carbon connection. Yes, I invented a whole new insert Broadhead system. So if I'm not mistaken, it was developed uh, probably within 60 feet of where we're sitting right now <laughs> a couple years ago. Two years ago when we were in that booth, <laughs> you and Dave talk about it. I said, yeah, why not? So I just pulled my computer, t turned on the TurboCat, and got it designed. <laughs> it, it, it's so nice when you have that ability. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so how does that fix the problem? Oh, first of all, we have the weakest link become the strongest point. The only downside is that now all the AMO stuff no longer work. Okay. Because the front part is based on the three millimeter dual O-ring hole. Okay. That means you've got a stem that is about, about five millimeter long with two O-rings, and then you've got the three millimeter thread on it. So now your fuel point or broadhead have this hole that you can screw on top. Now, at the same time, we have the neck. The neck is the same as all our insert system with the reverse taper. Mm -hmm. 
Now remember, when you do a one sixty reverse taper, you are talking a whole thickness reverse tapered. Yeah. Now you are talking protection beyond belief. Yeah. Then with the shank coming down halfway, I I minus the size and then I put the carbon inner tube on it. Now you got the arrow concept on it now. So you are, the front of the arrow is guaranteed to be straight. Now you go into a second challenge. You know every single shaft based on the AMO standard has to be have a hole in it. If you got stainless, you got a shank that after you minus the tube, you got a hole that is 0 0.09 inches, <laughs> which is 90,000 shank. How do you put a hole in it? I have to sort of take my old, all the things I know and say, oh, I can't drill. It's not possible. Not on a 420 hardened stainless. That is 53 HRC. I mean, it's impossible to drill that. We finally, I finally decided, what, you know what? Let me call, see if anybody can do EMS, electromagnetic discharge. So I actually using electronics to, to discharge the metal and make that hole. Wow. That's a serious process. Well, most people, I mean, the, I, I feel myself privileged and lucky that I got exposed to all this technology. But when you do this, we make things possible. Now, yes, in a 166, if you do all of the above, it will fly. What, it, what, what the arrow concept in a 166 does is that instead of taking 23 yards to recover, now you take 12 feet to recover. <laughs> Which is extremely substantial. Compared to a nine feet of the 246 and, and about seven to eight feet on the 300. So with this new system, does this make 166 attractive to people again? It, it's viable, but you are limited to all the broadhead I made. Ah, uh, I see, I see. But for the target guy, it's perfect. Because now when you put different weight of fuel point, your note do not change. change. Yeah. That's the big deal. Okay. Because remember, every time you break the, break the inner, inner pieces to change the weight, and the you recruit using a, a hot, hot melt, your note move back and forward. Yep. It's I never mean, consistent. In, in the case of Olympic archery, it's not that bad because you're dealing with shelf, some of the shelf shooters. The moment you go arrow rest, it is very, very critical. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But just before I jump into the higher size, do we have time? We're at 52 minutes here. Oh, well, then I better jump into the, the larger size. A lot of people also do not know. The archery well do not stop at 300. <laughs> the moment you go to target well, it's now you go into your 315, which is your 20, 2364, your 93, your 24, which is like your, uh, uh, <coughs> your X cutters, and your 25, 26, like your, uh, your PS26, and then your 27. But the 27 is not a 27. 27 is 270, 282, 83, 85, 88,000. Uh, uh, which now you look at 2764, which is 384,000 wow. <laughs> of ID. Yeah. Because your wall gets thinner and thinner. The moment you go to insert in this class, technically you will not be able to find anything besides what the manufacturer make the shaft do. I would be happy to tell you, we at Fine Art pretty much make everything for that. So you can learn more about this through our, um, our Fine Art component system, which is a database I wrote. It's based on 5SQL Server. So you know when you pick the arrow manufacturer, you pick the shaft, then you pick all the component. It's not just a component. You click on individual component, you buy or you ask for the explanation of that component what, and what the benefit of it. I think that would actually 
I'm old enough to understand education and knowledge is king. Yep. I'm, I think I'm one of the few guys who provided this information to everybody. Yeah, I don't know anyone that's doing that. But why not? I mean, you know, the, the whole thing is that edu- the knowledge is benefit everybody. Yes, I make the stuff. But if you don't know how to use the stuff, it's pointless. Right, yeah. So is that um, component system, the database for every diameter shaft or just the... Technically, every single shaft all the way back to the Eastern Excel that come out in 2003. <laughs> <laughs> Onwards. There's a lot of stuff in it's that. It's a pretty big database. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so say I have the Sirius Apollo arrow. Yes, you kick, you kick Sirius and kick Apollo. If it's 166, because in 166, it will tell you to specific shaft diameter because the outside of the fitted will tell you which one will fit that exactly. Okay. And then we tell like you like a big drop down of this is the knock you'll use. This is the, you know, the outsert per spine sure. you'll use. It's, it's pretty slick. Yeah, that helps a lot. That takes the guessing out of it. Yes. There's a lot of, I mean, I'm the, I'm, I think whitetail hunters probably, not the uh, upper echelon of whitetail hunters, but the average, General, what, yes. like, they're just going to buy something and whatever comes with it, they're just going to accept that for what it is. So if you go to this system until you have the ability to say, okay, this is what I'm getting and this is why I'm getting it because you have the, Exactly. I think people need to think about it. Just like, think of the archery world like a car world. If you say, I, I, I'm going to have a Sienna, okay? When you go and buy archery, you, say, you don't say, I have a Sienna CESEX Limited Platinum Platinum Limited Plus. You've got CE. Yeah. That's it. Yep. So when you buy a single arrow shaft, you got this insert that come with it. You got this knock that come with it. You can maybe do some some things and cut. Yep. All this stuff that exploit the ability of that Sienna is not available to you from the manufacturer. Right. In the case of me, I'm gonna if you get the CE, I'm gonna help you to put it in the XLE limited or your drive. <laughs> yes, you're gonna pay for it. That's oh, no yeah. doubt. Yeah. You know, but the thing is that you, I always have certified and trained dealers that will help you. Do you, do you recommend most people that want to shoot fire knock components and stuff to go to a dealer and have, Absolutely. have them build it? First of all, you need to understand all my certified and trained dealers all went through at least six hours of video, uh, video training, if not in-person training, two-hour practical, and then one-hour test. And on top of that, I mean, starting 2021, I actually they have to go through to build two different arrows and send it back to me. I will cut them open, break them, and see what they did wrong or right. Sure. Because there is so many minute things that people don't do right until you do, they do it themselves. I mean, most of our dealers say, oh, like, like Vital Limit, they are comfortable being crossbow. And Jeremy is super comfortable being 204. And I got a gentleman in uh, Indiana that's com- superbly comfortable with being 166 because that's all their customer use. Sure. And that's how they did it. I mean, it's not that Jeremy can't build 166. It's that that's not he built a lot. Just like you don't bring your BMW to a Chevy dealer and say, fix it. Yeah. <laughs> so um, what, what about 204? Like, what, why did you hone in on that? Is that because of what you're shooting? No. Uh, yes, I, I do shoot 204. But when I first started this about six years ago, the 204 was just kind of coming on the scene. You know, the, the rampage was out. Yep. And Black Eagle was high on those. And just over time, that's, you know, 
I can go back and look through all of my all of my build sheets, and I would say ninety percent of them are two hundred four. That's just what the folks wanted. Sure, you know, Ohio hunters are pretty. Uh, they lump together and they like to shoot a lot of the same stuff. What I find, yeah, um, and the two hundred four is definitely one of the shafts that are um, a sought after shaft that I've seen. What do you uh, What do you think makes the two hundred four diameter attractive to whitetail hunters? Um, a lot of the 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 hype from the industry. Yeah, smaller diameter, better penetration, more power, but. I can build that into any shaft. I can <laughs> build the, that into a two forty six shaft. That's the point I wanted to get at there. Right. Was like if it's you, it's it's a lot of media hype that two oh four, one six six, these are this is the only route you should be shooting because have you converted anyone from two oh four to two forty six? Yes. I've converted get one six six guys to two forty six. What was their reaction? What was their initial holdup? And then after they shot the arrow, what what was their initial reaction? Initial holdup was, there's no way. Yeah, <laughs> it's too far. It's a dinosaur. Yeah, I'm the gimmick. Yeah, not the industry. Right. Um, I says, how about this? I'll build the shaft. I'll build a cheap shaft. I'll put the good components in it. I'll send it to you. You shoot them. You don't like it. You send them back, I'll give you your money back. Okay. I never got I never got the opportunity to hand any money back to the customer. <laughs> so uh they they really like it. You just have to be willing to um open your eyes and ears rather than having the tunnel vision or the horse blinders on the side of your face to just open your horizons to to the new things that are out there, to the technology and not the norm. So technically speaking, the 246 is easier to get better performance out of it than the 204. Yes. Okay. So like even myself, I'm having a hard time sitting here. I'm like, I don't know if I can shoot 246 arrows. Well, let me just put it this way. This year, all my customers will trust me forever. You guess what I build for them? 300. All 300 size. Yeah. So he's building one size bigger. Yeah. You know, he's building essentially, as the industry knows it, as a target shaft. Yeah, for hunters. For hunters. Whitetail guys. Right. Think about it. If money's on the line for everybody, 10000 20000 if 166246 is really that great, they say, oh, you need penetration. Remember, if the arrow don't stick the target, the point don't count. You think when you got 20, 30, like somebody who got a few sponsorship with a $50,000 check hanging in front of them, if think if the two hundred four one six six or even two forty six better than what they can absolutely guarantee to shoot the eleven ring, you think they wouldn't you be using those? Right. Yeah. Just think about it for a second. When money is on the line, your livelihood to feed your family is on the line. What you should you be using? Yeah. Just think about that for a second. <laughs> yeah, that that could be the like you were talking earlier. The, those one or two points that could be the difference between ten thousand dollars and two thousand dollars. And right. people were saying, "Well, I'm shooting an animal. If I hit the shoulder bone, well, come on, your heart and shoulder bone is over four inches away, and those guys are counting millimeters. Did you cut the line with a twenty-seven sixty-four? What are we talking here? Yeah, yeah. The only the only thing that I, I mean, a deer can move, a target can't. Right. That's exactly. If you are that precise on it, and furthermore, the moment when we finally go into the point of the veins, 
I will tell you, the moment you shoot the correct arrow, deer don't move. Because if they're moving, you're shooting, you're shooting a running animal. If you're that good, you shouldn't be worrying about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We do have to get one, clarify one thing. It doesn't matter what arrow you build. You're not going through a shoulder joint of any animal. No, yeah. The uh, ball. You might be yeah. able to nick, nip, you know, the shoulder blades and be fine. I mean, I've had guys that, that come to me and they've, they've blown through both bottom parts of the shoulder blade. Yeah, they the didn't scapula, hit the heart of the shoulder. The scapula on a white exactly. tail is pretty thin. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. So the scapula is fine, but the joint, yeah, no one's going I don't care that. what yeah. you build, your plan B arrow is going to fail. Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. So real quickly before we wrap this up, I think it, it's important for you to take a couple minutes and explain the point that you made about the moment, like the uh, when you have a field tip on your arrow and you shoot it into a target, you penetrate better. The moment you put a broad head on it, it's all the same. So kind of explain that process a little bit. Well, sim very simple. It's diameter. Correct again. The moment you put a 166, you usually put the put the small, put the field point on it, just like a target point. Unless you use my ulcer, then you put an 8 millimeter point. Just like Eastern, when they come up with the access arrow, they go into a 7 millimeter point. You know why? Because it penetrates better. It's smaller. Yeah. But the moment you hunt, you all use broadhead. It doesn't matter what size shaft you use. The broadhead is the same on every single arrow. Sure. Yeah. So what does thick and thin have nothing to do with it? Nothing. Because when you shoot the animal, the hole is created by the broadhead, and the arrow no longer is touching anything inside of that hole. People say, oh, well, you glide through the blood better. I say, how many seconds do you think that's going to happen? Oh, it's like, <laughs> yeah. The, the grabbing of the arrow, actually, in some cases, you want the arrow to froth. You want the blood to froth the blood to go through. You want, the, you want the arrow to not go straight in. You want it to spin as it moves in. Because We're then you do a spiral into, cut. We're getting into a big topic right yes. there. Yeah, I, I just I think that explains, that debunks that marketing myth that the, outs, the, the, short, the thinner diameter shaft penetrates better. On mm -hmm. a target, on a whitetail, that's, that's mitigated from the broadhead because the broadhead's wider. It's creating a bigger hole. And that the arrow does nothing at that point. It doesn't. Mm -hmm. It doesn't increase or decrease penetration. As a matter, the thinner the arrow, the worse it penetrates, because the arrow is still flexing. Right. That means the energy is no longer focused. As you know, anytime you flex, just like I say, if you want to nail, a, say, a thirty-inch nail into the ground, the thicker the dime, the size of the same weight, the better off you are. There's no way around it. I mean, pure physics. Because see, the memory effect, the float, the, the, the oxidation of the shaft on the thin one, and because the memory effect, just like when you throw a thick arrow, you hammer it, you shake a little bit, you stop. Throw it on a thin arrow, you go shake, 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 shake. Well, that whole process, the energy is consumed in the shaking process. And also, remember, when you shake the arrow, the energy is not going straight down. The resulting factor is actually backwards. Just like when the fish goes swing left and it swing right. The force going that way, but the resulting force is this. But remember, it's only a resulting force. Majority energy is still lost in this part. Sure. <clears throat> yeah, I think that. I mean, I think that covers it and clears it up. So for people that are listening to this, that are still like, ah, I can't shoot 246 or 204 or 166 or 300 or whatever. At at the moment, you put a broadhead because most of my um, most of my audience are whitetail hunters. So that's what I'm trying to really. Well, let me bring it back. If you have the know-how, you have the equipment, I would tell you, Jeremy or any of my certified and trained dealer can build any size arrow to do the job. The fact is that if everything is equal, including money, 
246 will always be cheaper, higher performance. Mm -hmm. If you absolutely need the 166, can we do it? Yes. You're going to put a lot more effort, a lot more money to make the 166 shoot as good as a 204. Or, or even a 246 or yeah. even a 300. Yeah, so at that point. Right. So if you are not really totally in tune with building, you're better off using 246 or 300. The moment you say, I want that, I love that, I want to have it, answer say, you can have that too. You just need a lot more knowledge, effort, and money yeah. <laughs> to get it right. Yeah. So, Jeremy, last question for you. Do you prefer to build 204? It doesn't matter to me. Okay. It's all an arrow shaft. Another reason I was just sitting here thinking when George was talking, the 204 is so attractive because there's so many options. Oh, there's, yeah. I can go with a heavy wall intercarbon. I can go with a light wall intercarbon. Mm -hmm. I've got aluminum, stainless, titanium. You know, where the 246, you have you do have two different types of aluminum. You do have brass and you do have stainless. Yep. But my options with the 204 are endless yeah, yeah. i can make two some different inner tubings yeah. i can make some crazy custom you know, configurations yeah. that will knock people's socks off so do you fear that as the industry moves towards the 204 166 that 246 and 300 components are going to phase out no okay no all right uh, 300 will always be here because of the target for the, the crossbow crossbow uh, yeah, yeah all yeah, your yeah. crossbow yeah. well the vast majority of your crossbow bolts is a 300 ID shaft. Uh, and 246 has just always been the industry standard. Okay. Just like, I don't know, 20 years ago, it was a 2213. If you was a hunter, that's what you was running. Yeah, yeah. A 2213, a 2217. Yeah. So. All right. Yeah. Well, I think we'll leave it at that. We've uh, been going for an hour and seven minutes here. Next episode, what are we going to hear from? Well, we'll go do a dive into the the most technical aspect of the entire arrow. Thanks. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait for that. I need to do some studying up before we have that conversation. So, all right. Uh, if you guys enjoyed this episode, please check out firenock.com. Read more about what George is offering and check us out here at the Deer Gear oh, Podcast. Oh, by the way, uh, you, can, you can find Jeremy on X-Ring Custom. And if you want to find out, his, uh, your, 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 your email address is... Uh, it's xrcarrows at gmail.com, and the uh, website is in the works probably within two months. All right, guys, let's, uh, let's have a good show today. Thanks. Thank you.